Welcome to episode 10 of Sharing the Magic, a show dedicated to all things Disney. Join us as we explore this magical world. Whether you're a diehard fan or a casual visitor, this podcast is for anyone who can use a little extra pixie dust. I'm Tara, aka Rebel Scum. And before we introduce our magical guest, I'd like to introduce our amazing cast. She's practically perfect in every way. Annie, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing great. Um, I found the Villains Lego for all you Lego people out there at Target today. So I am so excited to build that over this holiday weekend. Um, but other than that, it's just been a nice chill weekend for me. How are you doing, Tara? I'm doing well, thanks. Awesome. Um, next, we have everyone's favorite Disney dad, Matt. How are you doing tonight, Matt? I am doing great. I'm so excited to talk to our, our guest tonight. Yeah, same here. We also have the real lady divine, Lindsay. How are you doing this evening? I'm doing fabulous. How are you doing tonight? Great. And finally, our ghost host, Barry. How's it going, Barry? It is going fantastic. I'm so happy to have Brian on tonight. Brian, uh, this is going to be one exciting show. So uh, before we um, before we jump into that, I just want to uh, say thank you for uh, Tariff for opening the show tonight. Um, our guest today is a former show writer for Walt Disney Imagineering, where he helped create the magic for some of the world's most beloved Disney attractions. He has produced work for a number of different corporations and small business ventures as well. He is passionate about education and was a founding member of the Central Florida STEM Council. He is an accomplished speaker and all-around great guy and a good friend. We are thrilled to have Brian Collins joining us tonight. Brian, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm uh, very happy to be here. Very happy to be here. Great. So uh, let's go ahead and we'll jump into it. And uh, Brian, why don't you go ahead and tell our listeners how you got involved uh, with Disney and becoming an Imagineer? Oh, my Lord. Um, so, I, you know, I think a lot of Imagineers have really kind of interesting stories um, about how they kind of made that journey. For me, um, I was working in Miami, my first job out of college, I was working as a video producer down in South Florida in Miami. And, um, to make a very long story short, um, after about a year, I moved up to Orlando because the studios were, uh, not long to be opened. So I'm kind of aging myself here a little bit. Um, but, but the Disney MGM studios now Hollywood studios. So, um, I moved up here and, uh, you know, I thought with my background and everything, um, you know, they, they would take one look and say, Oh, Mr. Collins, you know, you have like a whole year of experience. Uh, here are the keys to the corner office and, and <laughs> don't you just enjoy that view of the, the castle outside your window and, and what can we get you for lunch? And it didn't quite work out that way. It was uh, not so fast, hot shot. Um, I did get hired, um, but my first job at Disney, they hired, they hired me to work at the front desk of the Contemporary Resort. Um, so, so that's where I began my, my, my Disney career. But my timing was right, and uh, it was only about three months or so, you know, a few months before I was able to start working um, 
on the back lot of, of the studios. For those of you who are old enough to remember, you know, when, when, when the studios first opened up and it was Disney MGM Studios, it was very much an active uh, production studio. We had sound stages and back lots and a New York Street and residential street and, you know, uh, makeup department and, and costuming. I mean, the whole shebang. Um, so to support that, they had uh, production assistants out there. And I uh, befriended one of the full-time production assistants. He brought me out uh, to kind of help help him on some stuff. And um, that was really kind of like my first um, uh, uh, peek behind the curtain, if you will, um, uh, other than working at the uh, uh, front desk of the contemporary. And once I started working at the studios, I was able to kind of network internally with, within the company. And I started uh, working for uh, what we call cast communications, which is basically our, our internal corporate communications. And I would write, you know, stories for the company newspaper, Eyes and Ears, or I would produce some corporate training videos and things like that. I also worked a little bit with the marketing department and I would um, take part in uh, these big, huge press events that we would do back in the day when, when a new attraction or resort was opening up. So um, all of that networking, I, I still needed to find myself a full-time home because technically I was still assigned to the contemporary, even though I, I wasn't really working there. Um, I was kind of bouncing around, but I was kind of like a gypsy in the company. And um, every so often I would see internal postings for a uh, position in Imagineering and, and I would apply. I'm thinking, well, Imagineering, you know, it can't be too hard. You know, might be kind of fun. What the heck? Um, so, so I did apply. Uh, applied three times, got rejected three times. Uh, the last time I applied, uh, that they actually got back to me and, and they said, all right, all right, quit bugging us, kid. Uh, we'll fly out to Glendale. We'll, we'll see if, you know, we can uh, find find a uh, role for you. And um, super excited, right? Right? It's like, finally. Um, well, two weeks before I was supposed to fly out to uh, California, um, uh, they reached back out to me and they said, oh, Brian, we're so sorry. The position uh, that we're thinking about has been frozen. Uh, so just kind of hang tight and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see what we can do. And and what I did next, I never, all right, kids out there listening, don't try this at home. I, I always tell people, you know, don't do what I did. Very, very bad idea. Um, <laughs> but uh, what I did next is is uh, I actually, I, I, I made a, a ransom note and I cut like, the individual letters out, you know, for magazines and stuff. And I pasted the, the letters down onto a piece of paper and the ransom note said, I'm holding corporate symbol as hostage, want to be an Imagineer, willing to negotiate. And then I went out and I bought, you know, the traditional Mickey Mouse hats with the ears, right? The black, you know, and I ripped off one of the ears and I put the severed ear in an envelope with the ransom note. And I sent that off to my, uh, HR contact. Now, I will say I didn't know who I was sending it to, so it wasn't completely cold, but um, I was still expecting, you know, probably at like 3 a.m. one morning to have a knock on my door and men in dark suits saying, Mr. Collins, please come with us. Uh, we we <laughs> talk to you. Um, but fortunately, it went my way, and that kind of opened the, the door for me to uh, get my uh, interview finally and, and uh, 
the rest, as they say, was history. So that is one. You asked. <laughs> <laughs> that is one memorable way of doing it. That is great. Yeah. So, so what was the outcome of that? I mean, did did they give you the the old lecture not to do that again, or no. was that bad medicine? Or no, 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 no. It was great. Um, you know, I, I never got the guys in the dark suits knocking on my door, so that was good. Um, no, I mean, uh, you know, um, after that, I uh, they um, I, I I had a chance to go and meet with and talk to. Um, who uh, a gentleman by the name of Mike West, and, and if you guys are big Disney fans and listen to podcasts, you may have heard of Mike. He, he's pretty well known in Imagineering. Um, but Mike, uh, I believe he, he was the creative director or one of the creative directors in Florida. Now, Imagineering at the time didn't have a permanent presence in Florida. They were still um, considered to be a project team. Uh, that was attached here as part of the studios and uh, when they were building all of that. Um, and that was the start of their permanent presence here here in Orlando. But anyway, um, I, I got to go meet with Mike and, and talk with him. And, and you know, we just kind of clicked right away. Mike, um, like me, has got a wonderful sense of humor and loves a great pun the way I do. And um, he gave me an assignment. Um, uh, he gave me the script for the uh, tour of the animation studio. So at the time, in Orlando, at, at you know the then Disney Imagineering Studios, we actually had uh, the East Coast home of Disney Animation, and you could go into the studio and you could see all the animators working. They worked on all the classic. Uh, what we call, I think, the second wave of, of Disney classics, starting with The Little Mermaid and Mulan and Beauty and the Beast and, you know, all those great films that came out in, in the early 90s and, and uh, you know, shortly after that. Um, so so you could take a, a tour through the studio and, and, you know, learn the history of Disney animation and, and then see the animators working and uh, that type of thing. And uh, he... Um, gave me the script because he said, you know, we're, we're, you know, we want to refresh this. We want to plus it a little bit. So take it with you, see what you can do with it. And, um, I did, and I brought it back and I guess he liked it because, uh, that script turned out to be the very first thing as an Imagineer that I wrote. And, um, I was hired as a show writer. Um, and, uh, it was kind of mind blowing to be honest, but, um, it was, it was, uh, it was fantastic. It, it was, it was a, a great uh, several years there. So when, when, when you started doing the um, show writing, yeah. So what, what's the, what's the log great? I mean, were you constantly doing that or did you have other uh, responsibilities as well? No, I mean, um, my focus was definitely as a show writer and, and, you know, when you talk about, in Disney speak, when you talk about a show writer, you're not talking about writing, like, stage shows or, or that kind of thing. You're talking about writing for the Disney show as a whole. So with scripts and spiels for the attractions, it was, um, you know, thematic signage that you might see throughout the parks. It could be any of a variety of things. Um, and that was really my focus. And I was very busy because my, my main day-to-day -day kind of stuff was keeping the, like I said, you know, back then you 
can take both a shuttle tour of our back lots and uh, residential streets and that type of thing. Go through Catastrophe Canyon, <laughs> if, if anyone remembers that. Um, but uh, so, so you could do that. You could also take the walking tour that would take you through different um, areas showing you like the special effects uh, tank, the water tank that we had, um, the uh, post-production studios, the sound stages. And um, it, it, as I mentioned, it was like a very, very busy uh, studio. And, and a big part of my job was keeping that script fresh to, to learn what was going on um, and update the scripts for the tour guides uh, so that they could spiel about what the guests were seeing um, and, and, you know, maybe what new props, you know, we had brought in and were either being used or were on display, um, that type of thing. So um, even, you know, in, in the animation tour is new films were being created, you know, talking about those. So, so that was really a big part of my work. Um, but then I also, you know, got, got to work basically on, on some show writing for, for all the parks. Um, I, a big job of mine was, was working um, when we redid the Jungle Cruise queue in the Magic Kingdom. And, um, you know, the first time it was, uh, it, it, it didn't always look the way it looks now, you know. I mean, uh, back in the, the late 80s and, you know, from the time the park opened until then, it was mostly just ropes and stanchions and pretty boring and empty. And um, our our uh, effort to retheme it, that was one of the first times we really kind of rethemed a uh, queue area to be immersive like that. And we turned it into the jungle outpost and... A big part of my work was, uh, again, working with Mike, but we uh, came up with a um, copy and the, the script and everything for Albert Awal. If you remember Albert Awal, the voice of the jungle, right? So I kind of consider myself Albert's dad in, in some ways. Um, and, and I just came across, uh, interestingly, a, a few weeks ago, I was um, came, came across the original scope that I wrote for that uh, Jungle Cruise retheme. Uh, for the QRE and the audio enhancements that we did. Um, came up with some of the names that you can still see on the missing persons board as you're disembarking, um, you know, things, th things like that. So it was great. So, Brian, I have a question. What was the favorite script or story that you wrote for Disney World? Oh, my gosh. Um, you know, I mean... Uh, uh, so another big script that I worked on, and, and I'm not, you know, going to be so bold to say that I created it, you know, from scratch, but the great movie ride, um, uh, at one point they asked me to go in and kind of plus that script a little bit, clean up, clean up some areas and, and uh, you know, work on that script. So, so um, obviously that was a lot of fun to, to go in and do that and, and you know, it, it was always wonderful to ride the ride, um, kind of incognito and, and just sit there with the guests and, you know, watch them kind of take it in. And, and obviously, you know, the parts that, that I rewritten or, you know, I also worked a little bit with um, uh, some other Imagineers to help with the staging of, of the uh, scenes in there uh, where the live action characters would, would come into play. Um, and it was so, so fun to just kind of sit in, 
you know, right amongst them as, as all that was going on. Um, you know, some of my favorite little pieces I wrote were, were real simple, you know, silly little jobs that never saw the light of day. Um, and that happened all the time. You know, there were enhancements and stuff and ideas that you either came up with or, and, and, you know, presented and tried to see if you could get them done or you were asked, you know, to try something of a different flavor and, and all that. So a great example was um, the uh, Pirates of the Caribbean in, in the Q area. At one point, um, I, I had come up with some ideas to kind of redo the audio in there. When you're, when you're in line now, you're going inside the Q area and you're inside the uh, castle, right, in, in the fortress. Um, they're playing a, a lot of music, yo ho ho, it's Pirates Life for me and stuff like that. I thought it would be kind of fun. Um, and, and maybe I was channeling my inner Raleigh Crump or something, you know, to take it and make it a little bit more um, authentic, if you will. So I thought it'd be fun to have like a pirate taskmaster uh, that would be uh, you hear his voice coming in, you know, saying things like, all right, mateys, keep it moving. Captain wants to see you down below. And, uh, you know, there'd be bat sounds and dripping water and shrieks and things like that. It was, it was a lot of fun. And, you know, I got to talk like a pirate for, for many, many weeks. And, uh, people would come by <laughs> my cubicle. I was like, Brian, you okay? Like, yeah, sure. So, you know, thank you, Existentio, for uh, possessing me for the moment. And, uh, <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. So, uh, be before we get to the other uh, other co-hosts, uh, I got three things. First of all, long live the great movie ride. I miss that so much. Here, uh, here. Uh, I think we all do. Yeah. yeah. The, the, the second big thing is I'm, I'm the kind of guy who will, uh, I will listen. I, I, I'm like the, the biggest Albert Wall fan, and I will <laughs> listen to that whole cue from start to finish. Um, yes, I do know that you wrote most of that, so I know uh, when I'm listening to it, I know who's behind it. And, and number three, I want to give a shout-out to Skipper J uh, because – he is on our podcast, but he's in the process of moving, and his name is actually listed um, in the the Jungle Cruise at Walt Disney World. So, um, so I want to give a shout out to him because I, I know he's going to be pretty sad for not being being on this episode. So, uh, Matt, you have a question for our guest? Of course, I've got lots, but I'm going to try to narrow it down, right? And I'm trying to 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 pick one because so. Okay, we'll talk about the education stuff later. So I'm a teacher, so I really like all the stuff that I've, yeah. I've read about you and, and stuff. But we're talking Disney right now, and you're talking about the cues. Yeah. Is, it, is it safe to assume that you still frequent the parks? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm out there quite a bit. Um, I, I give people walkthroughs of, of the parks right. and stuff like that, and, and I scope into, uh, Skype into and Zoom into classrooms from the park. So, yeah, I'm out there a few times a month. Do you do you find yourself while you're standing in a queue still doing that? Like you're still script writing, you're listening to it, you're saying, "Oh, you know, I would do this or I would do that." Yeah. Um. I not so much. I would do this or I would do that. But I'll tell you what I'm usually thinking is, you know, I'm able to, I think, appreciate 
the design and, and the um, theming and all of that, I think at a much maybe different level than your average, you know, Disney guest. And I'm usually appreciating um, what I'm seeing in the queues. Um, not, not, not so much thinking how I would redo it that much. Um, you know, sometimes I think, boy, it would be cool if I had the same toys that, you know, the guys have this, you know, now then, you know, and and women, you know, uh, you know, that they have now that I didn't have, but, um, it's more just, um, observing and appreciating what I'm seeing more and, and tucking it away and, and getting ideas think, well, maybe I can steal this, you know, on some project in the future or something, you know, that I may work on, who knows, but yeah. So yeah, um, as, as, you know, visitors and we go and I live up in New Jersey, the theme park, if I could call it a theme park, the, the park yeah. near us is Six Flags Great Adventure. I just brought, uh, I brought a, a freshman class of 200 kids a few months ago for their class trip. And I continuously kept finding myself comparing what it was like there to what it's like at Disney World. And it gives you like a good appreciation for something like a queue, right? Like a lot of people don't want to stand in a line. They don't think about standing in a line. Right. But if you really, like you said, if you look at what Disney has done, you really grow to appreciate that compared to a lot of other places. So what's your favorite queue right now? Do you have a favorite queue right now? Gosh, that's a great question. Um, there are a few uh, really good cues. Um, I love Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, I, I think that's a really cool cue. Um, it's set up kind of like a little museum uh, on purpose, right? Um, and, and the thing that's cool about it is that it kind of starts to tell the story and educate you before you get into the attraction, right. um, which is you know, a, a big thing that we try to do uh, in, in, in the queues, that's, that's a big purpose. Um, um, you know, in, in uh, Animal Kingdom, in um, uh, the um, Flight flight of the Banshee, is it? Flight yeah. of Passage, um, yeah. Yeah, f- uh, yeah, Flight of Passage. Um, I mean, obviously, the whole Pandora queue is, is spectacular. Um, I don't know, you know, I mean, there's... I, I, I think, um, you know, cues and environments in general are becoming just more and more immersive and thematic in right. general. And, and I, I very much enjoy that. Yep. I think um, that's one of the and, things that sets Disney apart. Yeah, yeah. I mean, listen, I won't lie, and, you know, you, uh, I'm not going to implode if I, you know, invoke Universal's name. Right. Um, but, you know, they do a wonderful job. I mean, they're Harry Potter, yeah. uh, you know, um, the, the, the two Harry Potter lands are, are fantastic. Yeah. And, you know, I will say that, you know, probably because a lot of the people that work on them were former Imagineers. But, um, you know, I, I, I give them props. Um, you know, they, they've had wonderful um, art directors and, and show producers and stuff. Actually, Mike... Um, 
uh, after uh, moving on from Disney, went out to have a, a long career with Universal Creative for, for many years. Um, so um, that they, they do a wonderful job. Um, I think, you know, one thing I would love to be able to say to like smaller theme parks is that it doesn't always take a lot of money, you know, or investment to um, spruce up like a queue area or, or make it more immersive. I mean, there's so much you can do. I mean, I do this, you know, uh, with um, I, I talk to teachers all the time, how they can make their classrooms more immersive and, and you know certainly they never have any sort of budget so there's all kinds of tricks and things that you can evoke um to to do that i'm gonna have to pick your brain about that a little bit <laughs> try, brian. that sounds awesome <laughs> yeah brian i think i think um you're right about the cues because i think when they redid uh the peter pan um yes you um i think it went from just a pretty blase one to something that was it's pretty spectacular and it and and it's worth the wait if you have to wait in line for it um now when you turn over to the queue for uh seven doors mine right and you go in there and that's a little more interactive for kids and things like right. that they can do other things right um, i think that's the problem with a lot of other parks is that they don't have the option. It's not like yeah. they have people that can work overnight or yeah. they say, okay, our money can be used here instead of here. And we have to work on it where Disney gets it of, you know, this is what we're going to do. We're going to close it down for this amount of time. And in the long run, it's, it's going to look and it's going to ride a lot better. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And you know, it's not just, um, attraction cues. I mean, you know, you look at restaurants, um, you know, uh, be our guest, um, and, and, um, space 220, you know, I mean, you know, they're almost attractions in of themselves, um, before you even get to sit down to have your meal, um, and, and stores, you know, are becoming much more immersive and thematic. So it's, um, it's very kind of cool to see that cross pollination taking place. So Brian, uh, tell us, you know, with all the things that you've you've done for Walt Disney World, tell us a little bit about doing the uh, the tours and and the meal that you the guys. The tours and the meal. Okay, so um, several years ago, I uh, created a website called wdwithme.com, um, and that basically um, uh, is focused on my background as a Disney Imagineer. You know, has a little bit of my background information in that. But one of the things that people can do is they can go on the website and they can um, reserve it if they want to do like a park tour um, and, and have me walk them through from an Imagineer's uh, perspective. And it's it's really a lot of fun. Um, it's typically best for people who have been to the parks before. Um, we don't really go on rides or anything like that. And... Uh, we can do this in any of the four parks. It, it doesn't matter. But basically what I'll do is I'll walk through and spend about three and a half or four hours in, in talking about the lighting and the architecture and the show design and uh, point out, um, you know, Easter eggs and, and all that kind of stuff. All the things that um, you would look at if you were looking at it through through my eyes as an Imagineer, basically, um, talk 
about, you know, if there, there's stuff that I've worked on, you know, I, I love to share those stories or share stories about um, interacting with uh, some of like the uh, legendary Imagineers like John Henn, Jim Raleigh and, and Mark Davis and people like that. So it, it's a lot of fun. You can also um, uh, book a uh, private dinner with an Imagineer. Um, and, and hopefully that Imagineers me, <laughs> uh, since it's on my website, but, but yeah, you can, uh, do that. And, um, it, it, it's a lot of fun. I, I also just added a, uh, kind of like, um, a mini tour that you can book, which is out at Disney Springs. And it tells, um, the hundred year old history of Disney. Uh, well, before it was Disney Springs, it was just the Springs. Uh, but it's the story that the Imagineers came up with uh, uh, for the Springs, um, which is really a lot of fun. And, and there's a lot of hidden um, things to see um, that that most people would, would have no idea. But but once I show it to you, it's like, oh, that's kind of cool. That's kind of it, it, it's a lot of fun. And it starts with. You know, way back 100 years ago when the springs were first settled by Martin and Clara Sinclair, um, who were cattle farmers, and, and takes you all the way up into present time. So, it's anyway, that's, yeah, that's... Uh, so, Brian, without, you know, we want everyone to book, so don't give anything major away, but can yeah. you give us a little sneak peek? Like, what's one thing that you would point out to us in any of the parks? Like, what's something that you, you, so, you find interesting? Um, like in, in the Magic Kingdom, I always like to point out one of what I think is one of the coolest and most difficult hidden Mickeys to, to find. Um, and there's also, a, there are a couple of like really fun Easter eggs there in, um, I don't know, in Animal Kingdom, in uh, Galaxy's Edge. Um, I, I like to spend time in there and there's some, again, just more, it, it's the Easter egg kind of stuff that I, I really like to to, to point out i also like to talk a little bit about like the color uh design and theory in the parks and the architecture um i always uh work very hard to debunk the myth in liberty square that the brown pathway going through liberty square is not and i repeat folks is not human waste um imagineers would not put a river of human waste in the middle of a disney park so i don't care if they told you that on keys to the kingdom uh or it's not i don't know about that and i will tell you (laughs) and, and i will tell you exactly uh what uh why that's there and what it is and what it represents so there you go all right, Barry, so out. I think we need to do some field research, a sharing the magic visit and tour with Brian <laughs> so we can learn about the uh, the non-existent river of, you know. <laughs> so, so, Brian, on your, on your, uh, your schedules, is it, do you have uh, multiple times throughout the day or do you have it later in the day up for the fireworks or yeah. is it morning and? So, so it kind of varies. Um, right now, most of my tours I'm doing on Sundays because that's the day my schedule allows. Um, I teach at the University of Central Florida. I'm an adjunct professor, um, and I teach courses in theme park and attraction design um, and, and subjects related to that, um, and, and that's keeping me busy. Um, the dinners I can do mostly any evening, uh, 
um, or I can do those for lunches uh, on the weekends as well. Um, and the tours as well, if, if someone is interested, um, they can reach out to me through the website um, or, or, you know, just email me. And if, if they have a special request for a specific day, if my schedule allows, I'd be happy to, to do that. Um, you know, it, it, it's, it's really kind of based on, on what my schedule is looking like at any given time, though. So that's, that's kind of how that works. That's awesome. That's awesome. So we talked about you kind of being an educator, and I know, obviously, you're kind of fostering the next wave of uh, of Imagineers yeah. here. So, like, what would be your best advice for someone who's looking to get into Imagineering? Um, don't focus on getting into Imagineering. That that's the first thing I always tell them. Uh, don't you know? Don't make your goal to get into Imagineering. Make your goal to do what you love to do, to find your passion and, and be passionate about your work and do what you love to do. Um, there are so many, you know, since, since, since my time as an Imagineer, the, the whole themed entertainment industry has grown so much and there are so many more opportunities to do wonderful work in theme parks and themed entertainment. So, you know, I think it's super important to keep your eyes open and your options open for different opportunities. It's very hard, uh, you know, I won't lie, it's very difficult, especially nowadays, to get into Imagineering um, straight from school. I'm not saying that it doesn't happen, it can happen, but, but it's, it, it's hard. Um, so, you know, find the crap that you love to do, uh, do very good at it, build up a portfolio of work, um, network, um, and, you know, hopefully the rest will kind of take care of itself. Um, but, but for people who want to get into Imagineering, what I would say is, you know, especially when you're early on in your career, um, look for other opportunities in the themed entertainment world because there are some wonderful ones out there um, and, and wonderful work to be done um, and, and if you can then do that and leverage that into Imagineering then um, you know fantastic but you may find that you're having so much fun you know working on other projects that you know you're you're fine with that so okay so you know we, we, we talked um, about you being an Imagineer and um, all the excitement so what do you do now? Tell us about uh, the Brainstorm Institute and uh, give us uh, some more great information on what you're actually doing with UCF and, and things like that. Yeah. Um, I mean, as I said, you know, education is, has always been a big passion of mine. Um, uh, the Brainstorm Institute, that's kind of like the um, – uh, uh, my, the name of my consulting practice that I've had for, gosh, 35, 40 years, who knows. Um, but that's, that's always focused on taking all of my background information uh, from innovation, from education, and new and emerging technologies, um, AR, VR, uh, Internet of Things, um, you know, all the metaverse stuff, uh, 
all all of that and um, kind of mushing it together to, to work with different clients um, around the world. And, and a lot of times um, I, I get asked, you know, to give uh, keynotes at conferences or workshops or things of that on uh, what a lot of people call design thinking or, or creative thinking and innovation, uh, which I enjoy. Um, but for the past uh, year now, I, I've been teaching uh, courses at UCF, uh, the University of Central Florida. Um, we are actually uh, starting uh, this fall, which is very exciting, a dedicated uh, bachelor's degree program in themed entertainment operations and management. So in the past, you could come to the Rosen College of Hospitality, uh, which is part of UCF. That's our hospitality school. You, you would get a degree in entertainment business with a focus on theme park operations management, but now we're actually standing up our own dedicated program. Uh, so, so you'll get bachelor's degree in theme, theme park, uh, themed entertainment um, operations and management, which, which is fantastic. I mean, uh, the opportunities and growth in the industry are huge. Um, UCF also has a master's degree program in themed entertainment design. So for those who are more in the creative side of things, you know, the artistic side, um, you can uh, go through our master's program in, you know, obviously being where we are and, and who we are, we're very well networked and connected with the entire industry. So our students have wonderful uh, opportunities. It's, it's, it's very exciting and, and I'm looking forward to uh, continuing to teach uh, in the program. So Brian, uh, on the topic of education, yeah. you, I, I've heard you say that, you know, your work is based on these three pillars and one of them yeah. is disrupting education. Yeah. Could you, as a teacher, I'm really interested in hearing yeah. what, what you mean by that. And, you know, we are a, a Disney podcast. So one, yeah. what do you mean by it? And two, what role does, you know, the way Disney does things or your time with Disney, how did that kind of influence that? Okay, so, um, gosh, there, there's a lot of different directions I can go in answering that question. So um, I'll start with one of the things I did about, probably I guess about five years ago, I created uh, with two other educators, uh, we created an organization called the ENSO Education Institute, E-N-S-O, ENSO Education Institute. Um, ENSO is a Japanese symbol. Um, and it's kind of, that the ENSO Education Institute is kind of like a think tank uh, that we created to look at ways to disrupt education and look at ways that we can transform education, not only in the U.S., but globally. Um, there are, you know, anyone who's a teacher out there that's, you know, with you, you, you know that um, there's a lot of room for improvement in, in our education system. And just as society and culture is evolving, um, education has to evolve and become more experiential, more hands-on, more relevant, more immersive. Um, and so that's a big part of what we try and do with ENSO. But, you know, personally, I, I also kind of bring that whole mindset into looking at ways that we can do that, um, uh, you know, not only on the local level, but like say, you know, I was zooming in schools. I actually was working with a um, young instructor at a university over in England. 
and he teaches young adults who are on the autism spectrum, so like, let's say 18 to 25 in that range. And he's a huge Disney fan, and again, to make a long story short, um, he received a very small amount of funding, and they gave him a room because they he wanted to create a safe room where if one of his students was having a tough day, they could go to this room and relax and decompress and all that. And he wound up um, starting to theme the room around uh, the Pixar movie. Was it Inside Out, right? Is that the one with all the emotions, right? With joy and right? yep. anger. And, and did a wonderful job. But um, we connected. Uh, he connected with me. And uh, uh, he had come over here. I walked him through the Magic Kingdom. And I shown him how Imagineers use all of our different senses, you know, to um, tell a story and immerse people in environments, you know, sound and color and lighting and smells and et cetera. So we uh, brainstormed a little bit and uh, over the course of the next two or three years, you know, that room, he, he kept taking these ideas. He would come over and take them back and, and integrate them into his safe room. So now you can, you know, uh, if uh, someone goes in that room, um, you can adjust the lighting, for example, to, to create different kinds of, well, in Disney we call show lighting, right? Um, even you could turn on black lights and glow in the dark stars will appear on the ceiling that you can't see under normal light. Um, he, he did some little projection mapping. Uh, we put different textures in there. Um, so, like there was a column in the middle of the room and he turned that into like a tree and then took and velcroed like little stuffed animals on there because some, you know, some people on the spectrum that they react more to the tactile stimulation. They like to have and feel that soft cuddly thing, you know, um, different audio, different smells. So all of that was built into this room on a budget of like nothing. And, and, you know, we talk a lot, um, like I said, I, I talk a lot to teachers about how they can do the same sort of thing. I'm also, um, uh, one of my other roles, just because I'm not a busy enough person, but um, for a long time I've been serving as the Director of Aerospace Education for the uh, Air Force Auxiliary, um, Civil Air Patrol. And, and so I'm the uh, uh, now an, an Assistant Director of Aerospace Education uh, for the Florida Wing, which is our entire state putting together um, interesting presentations for our cadets and, and our cadet programs on aerospace. And um, I presented at both our national and our, our Florida wing conference on to, to, to the adult aerospace education officers on how they can turn their meeting rooms into these really cool immersive spaces to make the lessons more meaningful and fun and interesting and engaging. So, um, you know, to kind of come back to, to the core of your question about disrupting education or anything, for me, it's all about how can you take something, you know, that's a normal, you know, what a lot of students may not necessarily be engaged in and turn it into something that will capture their imagination and, you know, make them go, oh, wow, that's kind of cool. And, you know, kind of plant that seed. Um, and, and, so much of that comes from 
I think, you know, that, that very beginning as an Imagineer is we learn how to tell stories. You know, that's kind of what we do, right? Nobody tells a, a story better than Disney. So how can we, you know, take that storytelling expertise and combine it with, you know, the, the all the other stuff um, and, and cross-pollinate it back into whether it's education or, or you know, even corporate learning. Um, I, I do a lot of that as well you know, corporate training and bring corporate teams to Orlando and, and uh, teach them. We actually uh, just uh, a couple weeks ago, we had um, about a dozen teachers from across the country in Orlando and myself and, and two other colleagues put together a four day uh, professional development event for teachers here in Orlando where they came in and, and we spent two days uh in the parks in two days, giving them seminars and, and you know, uh, discussion and, and guidance in, in the, uh, our, our conference hotel. And it was, it was an amazing event. So. All right. So Barry field research <laughs> for the tour. And then I'm going to see if my school will send me down to do some right. uh, professional right. I'll be back next year. Well. So next summer, mark your calendars. <laughs> so, so Brian, let me, let me ask you now, now you were mentioning, mentioning the course and that, uh, yeah. so it, so what, what is involved inside the course? So, so what, what are they basically learning and how are they applying it to their everyday life? You're talking about my UCF courses? Yes, your UCF course. So, I mean, well, like this term, I'm teaching a course in entertainment business and uh, uh, operations. Um, but in the fall, I'll be teaching uh, four different courses. Um, so in the fall, I'm going to be teaching uh, event technology and innovation. I'll be teaching entertainment production management. I'll be teaching a course in entertainment entrepreneurship. Um, another course, arts and events. Um, so it's all really about, um, you know, all the different pieces of the puzzle that the students need uh, to learn um, what goes into uh, creating um, events and, and attractions. So it, it's, it's really... Um, you know, a, a very comprehensive program. Um, it, it's I, I, I don't think there's anything like it um, anywhere else in the country. UCF.edu. There you go. <laughs> so, so is that? And, and I'll have my department chair send me a check. Right. <laughs> so is that is that um, a four year or is that uh, like freshman? It's, it's a four. Year, it's a full-on four-year degree, wow. you know, like any other degree. Yeah, I mean, you know, you take your two years are going to be uh, mostly your core courses and stuff for for your, you know, first couple years. But um, it, it's a full-on degree with required courses and then a series of electives. And um, you know, the interesting thing is that uh, we're actually starting to get students who are in other disciplines interested in like either minoring in in our program or getting a certificate from our program so for example students who are engineering students um i i it's not uncommon to hear from them and for them to ask um you know if they can take some of our courses because there are so many 
you know, people going into engineering that want to work in engineering for theme parks, whether it's industrial engineering or mechanical or electrical engineering. I mean, all of those areas are, are relevant, right? I mean, the word Imagineering, you know, by itself is half imagination, half engineering, right? And, and you get Imagineering. So um, it's, it's, it's really very, very cool. You know, when I, I did the Disney College program, and during that time, I was doing um, engineering, and then I switched to hospitality from doing that. Yeah. Um, but I'll never forget in the engineering course, we had um, two um, industrial imagineers come in, and they were speaking. They're like, this is invaluable because there's so many people that do not understand this side of it. Yeah. <laughs> and then they'll be talking yeah. about like, oh, we can do X, Y, and Z. And they're like, oh, you've never worked in the park before. <laughs> like yeah. you've never, you, yeah. like it, it's going to make sense on paper, but it does not make sense in real life. Right. So right. that's definitely invaluable to kind of get that, that different side of it almost by right. taking those hospitality courses. Right. All right. Um, I think we have one more question for you, Brian, and it's going to be come from Lindsay, and then we're going to go ahead and wrap it up. Lindsay, what's your question? So I pretty much kind of stalked you on your LinkedIn. I'm not going to Uh-oh. Lie. <laughs> and I saw on the last part you said you're a pretty darn cook, and I love to cook. I mean, <laughs> I cook all the time. My husband raves about my cooking, and everybody yes. else does. So – I feel like we have a connection. Now so... we're talking. <laughs> <laughs> I'm all about the food, Lindsay. All right. So here we go. So I have a few questions. What is your favorite dish to cook? Okay. My favorite dish to cook. There are a lot of dishes to cook, but I'll tell you the first thing that came to my mind. Um, I make a pretty good honey garlic chicken. Mm. And one of the reasons that that is one of my fav favorite dishes to cook is that I used to make that for my, my kids when they were young. And my daughter, especially when she she was young, she, she loved that. It was like one of her favorite things for me to make for her. And now she's older and, you know, graduated. She's actually um, just graduated from La Roche University in Switzerland uh, with a degree in hospitality. And she just accepted a 18-month internship and management training program at a uh, luxury resort in Bangkok, Thailand. So um, she, she's doing great, but whenever she comes home now, she always asks me to make her honey garlic chicken. So, so I'd have to put that up there as one of my, I, I do pretty mean lasagna too. But. That, that sounds really good. So <laughs> um, do you like to dine at Disney World? And if so, what is your favorite restaurant to go to? I, I do like dining at Disney World. Um, and you know that used to be a much easier question especially now that you know with disney springs has got so many fantastic restaurants so it's hard to say you know space 220 just for the environment um is you know always blows me away and and the food is actually very good there la salle in uh, canada obviously for a good steak um out at disney springs i just had lunch uh or, or I'm sorry, dinner uh, a few weeks ago um, at um, Art Smith's uh, Home Cooking. He's, oh my that's gosh. phenomenal. Stick to your ribs kind of food. Huge mm -hmm. portions. Did so, you ever go to their brunch? 
I, I have not. No. You gotta you gotta try it. The brunch yeah. is phenomenal. I like going for dinner and lunch, but brunch, woof. Yeah. So good. My husband and I went there last night. My kid, Did my you? kids are, you know, it's that they always uh, are, are razzing me now because they're like, you know, seriously, Dad, people are, are like paying, you know, paying you to have lunch with you and, and, and they're paying for your meal and, and, you know, just to talk. I'm like, just shut up. You know, it's like, <laughs> wait till you get the bill from all the times, you know, I, I took you out. Okay. Did you, you ever know? go to Boathouse? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I do like the Boathouse. I, you know, there's very few restaurants I don't. <laughs> well, don't listen, I'm coming in August. I would love to take you out for dinner, and Tara can come with me if you want. Of course. You got it, man. I'm never gonna say no to that. <laughs> I am never gonna say no. You got it. You, you got a date. All right, there you go, Lindsay. There we go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So I have a, a thing that I wanted to just, you know, thank you. You know, this has been an amazing interview and you being on our show. Thank you. Um, where can our guests find you on social media? Like, can you plug yourself like your uh, different yeah. accounts? Where our guests yeah, I, I'm pretty easy to find, you know. Um, I mean, I, I like to be liked. I like to be followed. Um, not in a weird kind of way, you know, in a social media kind of way. Um, and, and sometimes I like to be stalked, you know, who knows. Um, but um you can find me on linkedin so if you google brian collins imagineer um y'all get all kinds of hits with my uh, social media stuff but you can find me on linkedin um and, and i always encourage anyone to ever connect with me there um you can find me on uh facebook i have two groups one is called the mouse and the imagineer so look for that and join um, and make sure you answer the, the questions. Um, and uh, I also have another group for teachers called Educators Who Love Disney. So find that group and join that because that's where we talk about. It's a whole group of educators and, and we talk about, you know, things relevant to, to Disney and education. Um, I am on Instagram under Creative Brian uh, or Creative One. I'm sorry, C-R-A-I-V-E One. Uh, create the one. Um, what else? Um, WDWithMe.com is my website. Um, and for my, if there are any corporate folks out there listening that want to learn more about my consulting practice and how it can help your organization, go to the Brainstorm Dash Institute. And you have to put that little dash in there for Brainstorm Dash Institute.com. So, Easy to find. Just just Google Brian Collins Imagineer and y'all find me one way or the other. And, and you know, feel, I'm, I'm always happy to answer emails and stuff and all of that. That's great. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you. You bet. Harry? Yeah, especially when I come, when I come bugging to come on a podcast. Which we're going to have to have you back again, Brian, because we have lots more. And I feel like we could do a whole episode just talking on your uh, disrupting education. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. For sure, that there's there's a lot I could talk about. Yeah, <laughs> yeah there's, there's there's never enough mouse to talk about. I think. <laughs> no, so. no. All right, we want to thank you all for tuning into another episode of Sharing the Magic. As always, please hit that follow button to stay up to date on the latest episodes, and tell your friends to tune in wherever they listen to awesome podcasts like this one. 
You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok at Sharing the Magic Pod. And until next time, keep sharing the magic. We are not an affiliate of the Walt Disney Company, nor do we speak for the brand or the company. Any and all Disney-owned audio clips, likeness, and characters are their property and theirs alone.